For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to our Warriors beat reporter, Anthony Slater, about how the Warriors plan to fare in Wednesday's NBA draft. Warriors have not been on the court since March. They've got a whole bunch of events coming up that you should be paying attention to, including the NBA draft on Wednesday, the start of free agency on Friday, and then shortly thereafter, sometime around November 27th, they'll have to figure out what to do with this trade exception. No better person to talk to than Anthony Slater, who joins me next. It's Monday, November 16th. My pleasure to welcome in now Anthony Slater. He covers the Warriors for The Athletic, and it's a good time to be talking Warrior basketball. As you noted in your piece the other day, it has been since March since we saw the Warriors on the court, and training camp gets going December 1st, but even before that, we're going to get the opening of free agency and also the NBA draft, in which the Warriors, at least for the time being, have the number two pick. Anthony, welcome back to The Update. How you doing, man? Good. It'll be all in the span of 48 hours. You're going draft night Wednesday, free agency Friday. Trade exception expires sometime in that next week. Like you mentioned, I mean, it is from absolutely nothing to pretty much everything right away, particularly when you look at training camp December 1st, start of the season December 22nd. Let's start with the draft. Let's go chronologically here. So last time we talked, and I think it was a couple of months ago, you were super high on James Wiseman. And from everything I've read from you, everything I've heard from you since then, still seems like you believe he's the pick. Now, I saw that you said in your most recent piece that he was uh, the safest pick for the Warriors. Explain to me why he's the safest pick for a guy who we've got less than 70 minutes of college tape on. The floor is probably the easiest way to put on what you know at the least you're going to get out of him. And that's, you know, we're talking about a seven foot one, very healthy in his past because you sometimes you worry about health with centers. You think about the Greg Oden experience. He projects, you know, as a guy who will remain healthy. Uh, and he's just extremely talented and an elite level of size, like beyond just like, hey, you know, you're a Zaza, you're a normal seven footer. No, he's seven one at 19. He's already pretty big for a 19-year-old. He basically has Rudy Gobert-like length. You can pretty much pencil in that guy at the least will be in your rotation as a solid center for a decade. Whereas you look at the other two, and this draft in the weeks leading up has kind of tiered off a little bit, and it's pretty clear that that top tier, which the Warriors are in top three pick, is three guys, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Wiseman. And if you look at the other two, I think there are worlds where those guys are just bust, particularly Ball. I mean, it's a home run swing or a strikeout to me with LaMelo Ball. You know, he could be out of the league in five years. You know, it could be a really, you know, bad pick, essentially, where I don't see that with Wiseman. Now, the argument could be made, hey, you have a second overall pick, go home home run swinging. I would still argue Wiseman could be a superstar. It's on your developmental staff to make him that. But I also think you're at least avoiding worst-case scenario if you take Wiseman out of those top three. Well, and I guess that's that's the luxury the Warriors have here, right, is that because they're in a position to turn around and try to win this year, it sort of reminds me of, like, the last team I can think of that was really like that was the Darko Milicic here, the LeBron draft, the Wade draft, the Pistons, yeah. pick number two, right? They were coming off a championship or right about to get to a championship, and then they go back-to-back. That's kind of what this reminds me of. They, of course, swung and missed with the number two pick, which is sort of funny that the Warriors are now in that position. I want to go chronologically, like I said, but I feel like this plays a part. You mentioned the trade exception. How much does the trade exception go in hand with that draft pick if they were going to move it? It could. Uh, depends on everything that is like laid on the Warriors table draft night. You know, sure, if it's the Suns say, here's 10 and Kelly Oubre for two, which is a trade I've floated out there, then the trade exception very much matters because you have to, you know, absorb Oubre into that trade exception. Or Bob Myers kind of mentioned it on his recent conference call, you never know what's going to happen across the league where suddenly there's a three-team deal 
being maneuvered over here. And some team says, hey, you know, could you take this guy in? It's the only way this move is going to happen. And, and Myers isn't necessarily foreseeing that. I'll give you an example. I mean, there's the Phoenix Suns and Thunder right now. It seems like are in preliminary talks for Chris Paul to go to Phoenix. Well, what if the Thunder are getting back Ubre and Rubio to make that deal happen? But the Thunder are not in win-now mode at all. They're completely rebuilding. Maybe they want to throw one of those contracts, Rubio or Ubre, you know, over to the Warriors into that trade exception. Then it's kind of, like I said, it could matter draft night, but it also can be completely not tied to draft night. The Warriors just need to make a decision on it. By I believe it's going to expire right around November 27th. They haven't gotten an exact date yet. So they could have to make this move if they decide something comes up in the next couple of days. And I saw that you had written that Bob Myers said first couple of days or three or four days leading up to the draft is when a lot of stuff gets done. It's just not in concrete yet. It's not set in stone. So if it's going to expire around the 27th, we could see it moved around draft date. Now, we heard the rumors about guys like Drew Holiday coming over or guys like uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. How good of a fit do you think those guys are? And do they fit into that trade exception window? Well, I would say with Holiday clear fit on the court. I mean, perfect type of like third, fourth best player on a contender. I mean, all the contenders would love that. I mean, you'd look down south, the Lakers, the Clippers, he'd fit in perfectly on the court. Now, he's 30 years old. He only has one year of team control left. I don't think that's worth it for the Warriors for the second overall pick. I understand the need to win now and Holiday would help. You would bump up your chances of getting a title next year, but this is such a rare opportunity. You know, you mentioned how rare of an opportunity it is for a title contending team to have the second overall pick. So I just don't think value-wise Holiday's worth it. And then Aldridge, I think that's even a worse version of Holiday where it's the same type of deal. You're getting an aging, slower center, and you might be spending your second overall pick to do that. And I just don't think he's nearly as helpful as a Holiday because I think this team needs to be infused with, with some athleticism, some juice some speed. Aldridge isn't that. Aldridge is a slow it down, post up, 18-footer, back to the basket. To me, he doesn't really fit the Warriors style. I think if they're going to trade this second overall pick, it should be for a mid-20 superstar with team control. We're talking to Bradley Beal, obviously Giannis, but that's not going to happen. Ben Simmons, I don't think that's going to happen either. So I think they end up making the pick at two, and then their hope is either number two becomes a superstar or two becomes good enough to where you, you're looking at the trade deadline and the Wizards are going, sure, we'll take James Wiseman, we'll take Anthony Edwards, because Bradley Beal might become available, something like that. Is that a thought process you think of Bob Myers, that even if they take somebody with the number two pick, they would be open to trading that player at the deadline? Oh, yeah, but the it's kind of a little bit like the used car situation. Once you drive it off the lot, it loses value. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. once you make the pick, Every day after that, you know, where a guy looks good, doesn't look good, it loses value. The difference between a used car is used cars can't gain value. If James Wiseman comes out and has, you know, immediate 20 and 10 nights in his first month of the season, suddenly maybe the Wizards are like, please, yeah, just Wiseman for ball and like some filler, and that's fine. So what it really comes down to is the Warriors just, they got a hit. They got a hit on the second pick to really maximize this asset. I just don't think they're ready to say, give up on the asset to get a Drew Holiday for a year. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Do you think the Warriors view Andrew Wiggins as an asset to move? I know they made that trade last year to bring him in, and, and he played pretty well for them, I thought, down the stretch. And I think it's sort of intriguing to think about how he would play alongside Steph and Clay and how they get a little more rangy on the wing now. You sort of replace Andre there. Not that he's the, the same type of player, but you're replacing at least that position on the court. I'm wondering just about, is he a, a guy that they believe is a part of this championship team, or is this a guy who can be used as an asset later? 
it's interesting. I mean, he's salary filler. You know, that's why every trade you see almost puts him in it. Cause right. it's like, you know, you got to match salaries. But the interesting thing is they view him much more of an on-court asset than the market views him as like a trade asset because he doesn't have a good contract. Most teams view it negative value. Like we're taking on Andrew Wiggins contracts, kind of what the Warriors did. You know, hey, Minnesota, give us a first-round pick, a very valuable first-round pick to take on Andrew Wiggins. But at the same time, if the Warriors are saying cost isn't an issue, and that's what they are saying, you know, that's the Joe Lake of like, hey, I'll pay whatever. And it's going to be a lot of tax for having Andrew Wiggins' contract on the books. They just believe he's a 30-minute-per-night starting small forward. And sure, he, is he worth 30-something million, which he's going to get next season? No. But, you know, if you threw him out in free agency now, he'd probably get like $18 million. And, like, that's a good guy to have. It's basically having Harrison Barnes again. Just because of where his seesaw of like where his value is on the market to where his value actually is on the court for the Warriors, I think he's on the team the next three years. I think he's playing 30 minutes a night, and they believe they can get the most out of him. But it's clear he's important to what they're going to do next year. Well, and that comes back to the whole, you know, drafting a guy with number one or number two pick and doesn't end up being necessarily that superstar. But, hey, if he's the third or the fourth best guy on the court for the Warriors, and I know you're overpaying, but if if you win titles, I guess it doesn't really matter where that money's allocated if you're getting production out of that player. So I guess that's something to pay attention to as we get closer to the draft as well. One more here for you. Uh, you mentioned they've got the second, the 48th, and the 51st. They don't have the room on the roster right now to carry all those spots. I talked to Ethan Strauss last week about Denny Avdia. I know he'd probably be a higher-end pick, but Bob Myers, I guess, mentioned in a, a Zoom call the other day with the media that he'd be open to maybe stashing somebody overseas or grabbing another two-way player. What's the situation with those second-round picks? Well, they just don't have the roster room. They're in win-now mode. They already have a project on the roster in Alan Smiley, who nobody expects to be any part of the rotation next year. They have Jordan Poole. We'll see if he can like nudge his way into like you know contending-type rotation. So they can't just also take two more second-rounders and throw them on the backside of that. They need to get a veteran big or a veteran wing, depending on what they do in the draft. They probably need a backup point guard. I've floated Michael Carter-Williams potentially in free agency. But they need to fill out the rest of the roster with like usable pieces and usable pieces are not found at 48 and 51 in an NBA draft. So they're probably going to either two way one of them. You mentioned the stash idea. Maybe if you do take a foreign prospect, maybe just leave them overseas till later or either, you know, you trade a team and say, Hey, give us your second round or next year. You can have this one. If a team likes somebody, or I wouldn't be stunned if they just sold the pick to help pay for the tax bill. And I know it's almost anti Joe Lakeham to do that, but, you know, they're about to pay so much money in tax next year. I can see them just saying, look, we're not going to get anyone that matters at 51 anyways. Here, Utah Jazz, give us a couple million for it. Well, and everything's a little bit different when you don't have people coming into the stadium, right? Uh, you're trying to, trying to pay yeah, off this arena, yeah. and everybody's uh, wallet is hit differently. So, anyway, Anthony, I appreciate the time, man. We'll catch up with you down the road after the draft when we get closer to the NBA season. But great coverage, man. Keep up the good work, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you later. Yep, thanks for having me. Great breakdown there from Anthony Slater ahead of the NBA draft on Wednesday. Yeah, it's been since March since we've seen the Warriors on the court. They could be a better prepared playoff team or a team that figures to find themselves in the postseason than anybody going because of just how much time they've had off. They've had a chance to get the legs fresh. They've had a chance to get healthy. Steph Curry was just getting ready to come back or just starting to come back in March when the uh, the season got halted due to COVID-19. So the NBA does have a tall task ahead trying to get this season in, whether it's fans or or no fans in certain arenas. They've got to worry about the travel, much like Major League Baseball did, much like the NFL is dealing with right now. 
Thank you to Anthony. Thank you to Brian, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. We love talking sports with you, bringing the best in Bay Area sports each and every week. Niners on by this week, so we'll turn our attention to the Las Vegas Raiders. We try to give you a little dip into the silver and black every couple of weeks. We will do that with you later this week. And until then, enjoy the start to your week. Everybody stay safe out there. We'll talk to you then.